I could see a need that people would need some kind of tool in order to be able to see, well, how can I, how much money do I need to save for retirement? And then once I've got that money at retirement, instead of just buying an annuity, uh, an income for life, which 90% of the population used to have to do, they now need, now need to use this pot flexibly. Today's guest on Tech Talks is Kevin Hollister, the founder of Guide, a platform that allows people to plan for their financial future and their pension. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast where we interview leaders from across the industry and share a bit of industry news. Joining me for today's show, I have Akish. How are you? Hello, Dave. I'm all right. I'm all right, mate. Surviving. Yeah. Same old, same old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lockdown's yeah. just dull now, isn't it? It's just just same. Let's be honest. <laughs> It's the same thing. I'm, I'm actually. Do you know what? This morning I was um, I was having a shower and like got out and opened up my cupboard and stuff and I was just looking at some chinos and shirts and I was like, oh, you know, I might wear one of these today because I haven't worn them for a while. And then literally looked at my shorts and just like a normal sportswear type top and I was like, nah, that's more comfy. I was just like sitting around in shorts all day. So yeah, I am looking forward to actually wearing some. Clothes, really? Blood, what clothes? Proper clothes. Uh, smart <laughs> business clothes. I was yeah. going to say we have, we have admitted that we've 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 dressed up and <laughs> yeah. put clothes on for meetings. And yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, I mean at the minute yeah. now it's yeah. colder. It's a bit safe on that front. Yeah, yeah. Smart business attire, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, quite looking forward to changing. But and also, yeah, it seems like things are easing up a little bit, which is which is good. So yeah, all good, mate. All good. Yeah, I, d- I did find myself in a conversation yesterday with our boss and one other person simply because our boss had noted that we were all wearing the same clothes. So he thought he'd get us all on a call. And it's like, this is what we've come to now. We're, we're dialing in because we're wearing the same clothes. Yeah. I've, I've also I've also, mate, I've also, found that your your banter has, well, not yours, but like in particular, banter has changed being that we're virtual now. So, right. you know, it, 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 firstly, it's the timing of it because there's some sort sometimes a lag and you need to, you know, come in when the other person is kind of, you know, finishing their sentence. So I feel like timing is one thing. But also, I just think like you, you've got to be a bit more creative with banter, which is a bit hard, really, because um, you can't just, you know, take take the piss out of each other and what someone's hair looks like and, you know, what well, yeah, every, everyone's hair shit. So yeah, yeah hair not, shit, beard shit, you know, clothes, everyone's just wearing the same stuff. Like, so, and you can't be like, oh, look at that picture behind you. It looks crap. <laughs> Cause that's someone's feelings and emotions. Cause it's their house. <laughs> it's so to be fair, the picture behind me is crap, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't I mean, know why it's there, but never mind. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're good. We're good. We're, we're, we're keeping positive. Um, on today's show, we're going to be talking about something that might seem a little bit far off for both myself and Akish, uh, probably even more so for Akish than me, although <laughs> you might be more financially mature than I am. Um, we're talking about pensions. So we'll hand over to the interview to Kevin and Guide, uh, and then we'll come back with some commentary on this and a bit of technology news. So on today's show, we're joined by Kevin Hollister. You are a pensions actuary and founder of Guide. And I know that you do some media engagements. You've, you've been speaking about pensions quite a lot recently in some mainstream media. I suppose it's a, it's a hot topic at the, at the minute with everyone's finances a little bit more um, 
questionable than they than they, than they often are. Yeah, that's right. Um, I mean, I live up in Glasgow, and I've um, spoke about pensions a number of times on on, on Radio Scotland and so forth. So. What are the main questions? I mean, first of all, before we get into guide and, and anything else, when you're doing those radio uh, uh, shows, I'm assuming they're call-ins, right? Or am I wrong? Uh, uh, one of them was a call-in, yeah. What kind of questions are people generally asking you at the moment? Uh, well, when you do a call-in, you typically will get questions about people's own individual circumstances. So, for example, um, you know, I... My husband's pension, my husband's uh, uh, died and um, I'm now in receipt of a spouse's pension from his old company. It's it's half of what it used to be, et cetera. Does that seem right? So it's it's usually quite basic questions around um, people's own particular circumstances rather than pensions in general. So you, you, mm. you, you, you tend to find people are focusing on, on, on their own individual circumstances. No, I just wondered if there are any kind of themes coming through with what's with what's happening in the wider world at the minute that was obviously a, a kind of a, a broader concern that people seem to have. Yeah, well, so in terms of the topics that I generally um, talk on, it will it will generally be around the pensions freedoms that were introduced um, five or so years ago, mm-hmm. and you know that those freedoms introduced lots of flexibility for individuals so anyone who's over 55 and they've got a what's called a defined contribution or money purchase pension pot once they reach 55 can now start taking that pot flexibly as they like so you know there was a lot of media around could they go out and buy lamborghinis and so forth um you know a number <laughs> of years ago but thankfully most people seem to have been relatively sensible and are you know are drawing down those pensions over time to give them you know an income in retirement so, so- Look, I know, I know we're going to jump into that in a, in a bit of detail in a minute. Before we do, let's let's set some context so people understand a bit more about Guide because because that is that is a really interesting site and source of of a lot of information. So, how how did that come about? What is it? I know it's a platform. I know you work with other with other pension providers, right? Or you or you not necessarily work with, but you suggest that people might talk to some. So, can you just explain that? And then, yeah, absolutely. I think this the pension freedoms piece is a really interesting area to explore. Yeah, so that, I mean, Guide literally came about because of the pensions freedoms and because of the fact that people would have to effectively plan their own retirement from, you know, going forwards. Um, they would have to use that money flexibly and all the risk was essentially on them as to, you know, to, to giving themselves a, an income in retirement, which met their needs and then they didn't run out of money as well in later life. So I can see a need that people would need some kind of tool in order to be able to see, well, how can I? How much money do I need to save for retirement? And then once I've got that money at retirement, instead of just buying an annuity, uh, an income for life, which ninety percent of the population used to have to do, they now need, now need to use this pot flexibly. And there's lots of calculations, um, quite tricky calculations, um, as to you know how to run down those pensions during your retirement years. Then you factor in. You know, other elements such as the bulk of the uh, population will get a uh, full state pension. Um, you may have some old um, defined benefit of, as they're called, final salary schemes from elsewhere. People may do a bit of part-time work as well, you know, retire more flexibly. It was really a case of, well, how is your, how is a normal person who has pretty much no interest in pension calculations whatsoever, um, you know, going to put all of these incomes and pots together um, quite easily to, um, you know, to give them 
um, a income plan, if you like, over retirement and not run out of money, but give themselves the income that they need or they want in retirement. So that's that's effectively how it came about. Uh, out of interest, then, um, because I know, all right, I, I'll very honest, transparent. Uh, it's not that I'm not interested. I just have no idea about this. I, I, I got a pension pot through work um, as soon as I could. So as soon as the scheme became available to me at work, I started paying into a pension. And I paid quite a lot to begin with. I've scaled it back in recent years just as kind of income or whatever else has, has changed. But I pay into that pot. I know it's 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 high investment, but I, I have no idea how much really should should be in there to see me through to retirement. And I guess a slight challenging thing for a lot of people is everyone's living longer. So some of those calculations might have been based on slightly shorter retirement plans. I, I don't know. I mean, how, how do you even... How, how do you know when you should be beginning to worry about it and go, hang on a minute, have I got enough to see me through? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things that the pensions industry has had a problem with, um, you know, to be frank, is engagement. So, you know, people see it as a long time off. They they, they, they they may pay into a pension scheme at work and so forth, but they're not actively looking at, well, you know, what's the value of my pension uh, pot now? And more importantly, what's it actually going to, you know, what's it actually going to achieve at retirement in terms of an income for me? So there needs to be a lot more engagement. And you typically find as people um, get older, that they get more engaged in that question. So, you know, once you reach your 40s, for example, um, you know, you can take the pensions um, freedoms from age 55, you may well start to be looking at that a lot more, scrutinise that a lot more to say, well, you know, what's the value of my current pot? What's it projected to be if I pay an X amount of contributions? But much more importantly, well, you know, what's it actually going to get me um, if I if I want to retire at 55, 60, 65, whatever, you know? So, and that, that question has become infinitely more difficult, if you like, because what you used to be able to do, and it's quite simple to do, was to project up the pension pot. So if it was worth £50,000 now, you might say, well, if I, if I carry on contributing a few hundred pounds per month, um, it may well be worth £200,000 at age 65. And it was quite an easy calculation to say, okay, well, at the moment, that £200,000 pot, we can convert that into an income for life of £4,000 per annum or £5,000 £5, a year. Uh, I'm just making the numbers up there. But, you know, it was, it, was, it was a relatively easy calculation, whereas now you're saying, okay, but even if I project my income, even if I project this fund up to retirement and it's 200 k I've then got to draw it down over, you know, what is probably going to be if I retire at 60, 25 to 30 years. Um, I've got my state pension coming in at a later date. Um, all that old... Um, final salary scheme I had as well. That's going to kick in from sixty-five. Um, oh, I've got twenty, thirty thousand pound in ISAs as well, and um, I can put towards retirement. So it's, it's all of those different elements, and you know, the, 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 the I suppose you need to become engaged in the situation to to address you know, what you're actually going to have to retire at uh, or retire with when you when, when you do make that decision. Um, and then that comes back to if, if you're not projected to get enough income at retirement, which is going to give you the um, lifestyle that you want, you then need to start looking as what you've been saying uh, around contributions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do, can I? I mean, effectively, there's there's three things you can do if you haven't got um, uh, or you're not likely to have a, a large enough pot. And 
one is to pay in more contributions now so you can start to increase your contributions you can see what the size of that pot would look like um, with different levels of contributions um, you can look at retiring later because obviously your pot will be bigger at a later date and you'll run it down over a shorter period of time or you can look at well okay I, I really wanted a comfortable lifestyle in retirement it looks like i'm not really going to be able to afford that i don't really want to retire later and i can't afford to pay any more contributions so you know what if i scaled back that um, that income that desired income in retirement so it's really a case of pay more you re retire later or you take less when you retire so um now, one thing that I found interesting in the article, it talks about getting international, oh, sorry, independent rather financial advice. But you describe um, a, a, a kind of a, a typical member of the general public called Jenny, who's in the non-advised mass market. You say she's kind of fifty years old, thinking about her future retirement, wanting to understand how best to solve the problem, but she can't necessarily afford independent financial advice and maybe she hasn't been engaged up to that point and, and is that one of the big challenges that that we're facing at the moment yeah so uh, again the, the the pensions freedoms all around to place all of this freedom for individual but with that freedom comes a lot of responsibility and risk um, and the ideal scenario is that for for anyone who's not a financial expert the ideal scenario for them is to get financial advice um, and to get advice on how, how much they need to build up uh, in their pot and how they'll draw it down in, in retirement if they're going to use the pensions freedoms. But, you know, the FCA um, has recognised that there's, there's, there's a whole gap around this advice. It's called the advice gap, and they've recognised a, um, a percentage of the of pension savers called the, the non-advised mass market. So what you will typically see is that up to half of the people who, who are using drawdown in retirement won't take any advice at all. You know, to some extent, they will try and wing it and, and, and do it themselves, you know, um, taking an amount of income each year, but not really having any real calculations to, to know how long that pot will, will last. And there's certain rules of thumb and so forth, which they may follow, like taking 4% a year or so forth. But they have no real income plan in retirement. Um and for, for those individuals, the two reasons why they really don't seek advice, from, from what I can see, is one, that they, they find it unaffordable. They may have a pension pot of 100K or so or just over 100K. They may be paying around £3,000 in advice at retirement plus um, additional costs year on year to, you know, to, to keep track of that advice and make sure their plan's in place, etc. Or if they've got smaller pots, they may not be able to access advice at all because it may not be... Um, it may not be possible to, 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 to find an IFA, an independent financial advisor, who will be able to advise them on, on smaller pots. So there is this problem of this whole non-advised uh, mass market. And that was the, um, you know, um, that was the kind of person we, we were looking at, not, not someone with, you know, a million pound pension pot. Um, who, who, quite frankly, can afford advice um, and, you know, should really go and get it. We're, we're looking at people with you know, typically the average of what you retire on or, or what people build up in pension pots around 120K, that sort of level, maybe a bit maybe a bit more than that, who either doesn't want to pay for or, or, you know, or just can't access advice in some way. So, so what what is it that those people can do? Because Guide helps them... How, how how exactly does that work? Work because I know that you've got then three 
pension providers that you can channel people towards? So what's the process and, and how do people get help? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a, there's a number of steps, really. The, the, I mean, the first, the first step is really... <laughs> You can't build a plan until you know what you need in retirement. So, you know, effectively, the first stage is to understand what you're actually going to need in terms of an income in retirement. And very helpfully, um, the Pensions and Lifetime Savings uh, Association have, have provided these retirement living indices, which effectively show you, um, if you're single or a couple, you live inside or outside London, what you may need in terms of an income each year um, to provide you with different style, uh, different types of lifestyle. And, you know, that, that's been really, really valuable because it actually lets people see cold, hard cash terms. Well, this is the income that I'm actually going to need to get a moderate lifestyle in retirement uh, if I live inside London or outside London, etc. So that is really, really helpful because for the first time, it's really kind of showing to people, well, this is what you need. And there's quite a lot of detail in what you can expect. So if you have a moderate lifestyle, you might you know, have a holiday abroad uh, once a year. You might drive a certain type of car, that, you know, th- th- that type of thing. So you can, you can get a good gauge as to, as to what, those, um, what those standards um, actually provide you with in retirement. So we've incorporated those standards into guides. So effectively, mm-hmm. rather than people second guessing what income they'll need we say well do you live in, in inside or outside london are you single or couple um you know or you need to support someone else in retirement and do you want a minimum moderate a comfortable type of lifestyle in retirement and then you know, we, we automatically show what, what that would be inflation adjusted for the when people actually get to retirement so so now that question of well, what do I actually need in retirement can be answered for a combination of you know the, the good work that the PLSA has done um, and you know tools like my own which can then you know show people um, what they need and you know how, how effectively to achieve that so that's the first question and then once you know what you need in retirement, the next point is, you know, to build a plan to get it. So you're going to have to come back to earlier. This is really the difficult part. You're going to have to combine everything you have. Let's say you want £20,000 a year when you retire. You're going to have to combine that £100,000 DC pot that you find contribution pot that you have using the pensions freedoms. Um your state pension, when that comes into payment, you've got some old DB pension, a bit of part-time work that you're going to do, ISA that you have, etc. So what Guide then does is take all you, – you plug in everything that you have um, and then it tries to build for you what you want to give you that moderate, comfortable or minimum retirement. So that's effectively the um, – you know, how that works. And then the next, the next points goes from – really keeping as much of those pots and as much of that income for you rather than paying it elsewhere. So the two places where you're likely to leak some of your pots is around tax and uh, around charges. So on on tax, let's take a really simple example. Um, Income from a, a defined contribution pension pot is taxed. Income from your savings is not. So if I want £20,000 a year in one year, the best way of me getting it is to take 12500 from my pension pot, 7500 from my savings pot, because I've got a tax-free allowance of 12500 I can get that out of the pension pot and I won't pay any tax on it. And then the right. 7500 from the savings pot, 
I can get that without paying any tax. So I won't pay any tax at all in that year. Whereas if you took the £20,000 from the pensions pot, you would you would pay some tax on that. If you took it all from the savings pot, then you're not using up your taxable allowance in that year. And then the, the, the next point is around charges. So, you know, charges in um, a, a for pension providers over the years have been relatively opaque. They're, they're quite hard to pin down what they actually are. You pay a number of charges. You pay for the platform itself, so for the administration and so forth that the provider is providing to you. You pay for the underlying investment fund. So if you go and invest in a UK equity fund or a US equity fund or bond fund or whatever, you'll pay an underlying charge on that. And then as well, when those... Um, funds deal in the market, there's dealing costs as well. So your average person pinning down exactly what they're paying in terms of charges on some more um, traditional fund, uh, more traditional providers can be quite difficult. And new propositions by established providers and um, new providers, what they will do is they will charge you an all-in-one fee. So you know, they may charge you, let's say, 0.5%. And they will say, well, that covers absolutely everything. That will cover you for our administration costs. It will cover the underlying costs um, for the investment funds, and it will cover any dealing costs as well. Um, and you know exactly what you are paying uh, each year. And as well, they tend to be cheaper and you know, the more, more traditional route of adding, all up, adding up all the different charges. And if you look at that more traditional route, I think there was something I've looked at a long time ago in the in it is money, which said, you know, your average charges when you add it all up might be about one and a half percent a year. Whereas a lot of these newer providers and the providers that we link to, you know, they're they're charging much more like 0.5%. Right. So the people are probably thinking, well, you know, one percent, you know, well, you know, what what difference does that really make? But if you've got a hundred thousand pounds and you're building that up and then you're drawing it down in retirement over 40 years, 10 years before retirement, 30 years afterwards, it makes a huge difference. It's tens of thousands of pounds, you know, and on bigger pots, it's hundreds of thousands of pounds. Look, Kevin, I, I really appreciate your time. As you said right at the beginning of the, of the interview, you've been asked to kind of talk to BBC Radio Scotland uh, on this topic. So it is something that's important it's something that quite frankly i know little about and probably should know a bit more about and i imagine that's probably the same of a lot of people listening so i appreciate your time and uh yeah if someone wants to get advice on guides the best address what, what's the web address how, how best to find the site it's just guide with two eyes.co.uk perfect look thanks for your time cheers akish do you have a pension um do you know what? I was actually thinking about this when when I was listening to the interview. I, I, I've got the normal standard work one um, that I think most people may have that you kind of opt into. I, I, or I don't think legally you can actually opt out of it. So, yeah, I mean, I do have a pension. I don't pay more than what is already uh, eligible by, by the organisation that we work for. Um, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, I do have a pension, but I can't say I'm actively supporting it or doing you know stuff to I, it I, I was i was listening to this going oh because i've been putting into a pension i suppose now for over 10 years hmm. so there should be there should be beginning to be a, a, a chunk of money there but hmm. it is in it is in a high high risk um profile portfolio whatever yeah. you want to say 
right. Um, so right now, I'd imagine it's doing fairly badly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it is one of those funny things, isn't it? I, it seems so far off. And look, we're Ooh. talking on a podcast, right? The, 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 the demographic of tech talks, we, we know that we've got um, the, 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 the leadership and the peers uh, who listen to this show. But equally, I know for a fact that a large proportion of our audience are, are, are 18 to 30-somethings mm. who may well also not really think about this. They might be like you. They pay into a pension pot, but haven't really given it any extra thought. Mm. But the world is unfortunately getting harder and there's unemployment and um, people want to retire, but the population is aging and there's more pressure on the public purse. And I suppose it is something that unfortunately we might have to think about a little bit, a little bit younger than maybe we would have liked to have done. Yeah, 100%. And I think, I think we, I, I, to be fair, I think, I think there has been a shift um, in recent times, but when you're 18, 21, something like that, like you mentioned between that 80 to 30, I think if you ask people how they imagine to be financially stable is the the I think ninety nine percent of people would say to buy a house or buy some sort of property or get onto the property ladder, but obviously that's becoming a lot, you know, a lot more difficult with all the reasons you mentioned as well. So then it's like you kind of think, well, you know, can they can one make themselves financially secure by, you know, kind of having um, more of a you know more of a contribution to a pension or different types of pensions, and you know how can they actually make sure that not just the next 20 years will be good, but the, you know, the last 20 years of whenever, you know, one chooses to retire and, and kind of sail into the sunset, I guess, um, you know, how good that will be. Try but, not to get morbid there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a what, very, very difficult one. What I do love, though, is that there is this tech platform, you know, Guide is a platform, but also there are tech platforms in the form of their um, – advisors that they're they're channeling people to one of whom has been on the podcast before so shout out to pension b and to jonathan lister, lister parsons who is a former guest uh, cto at pension b they are one of the firms that guide refers people to who are looking at this non-advised market and i suppose you know it, it, it is unfortunate but not a surprise that there is an advice gap as framed by the fca because we know that there is so much now around certainly tech and financial circumstances where there is a widening gap between the haves and have nots. So it's great to hear that there are tech firms specifically designed to plug that gap and give people kind of a one-stop shop for advice where they're going to be getting kind of, you know, they're going to be paying 0.5% instead of 1.5%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's so many... Well, there's, there's so many things you can read, stuff you can sign up to. Uh, you know, obviously you've you've been in the process of of I think we've talked about it on the show of getting a house and all these sorts of things. There's so many advisors in you know inverted commas that can help you with things like that. And it just for one person, and if I was to use me an example, if I had yeah you know, something like that, like a one stop place just to get all my information, get all my kind of facts right you know know exactly what i'm signing up to what i need to be doing that for me using technology whereas we can access it on the move is great rather than go and meet a financial advisor and you know sign up to all kinds of weird and wonderful products which mm -hmm. i'm not saying don't work but they can be massively overwhelming um for people 
um, uh, and also it can almost it can almost put people off. Um, yeah. I think when they're when they're trying to obviously you know sort out their finances, um, which is such a massive thing at the moment. Um, it's absolutely huge, you know. Um, the, the other the other thing that I think is fantastic are these standards on the website. So you know. Um, you don't have to second guess. If you want to live in London, you want to have a moderate retirement, make sure that you're not kind of, you know, really, really um, scraping the barrel, then what do I need? And that can be answered. That is really useful. Because at the minute I put into a pension pot and I've, I've got absolutely no idea if it's enough or not. Yeah. So to be able to go and get that information accurately and clearly. Yeah. Kevin, thank you for providing that. That is yeah. a very useful service exactly exactly and also knowing exactly how much you need to put in so you might then start feeling bad about your um you know impulse purchases and your irregular you know kind of nights out and yeah exactly you've always got some holding, holding up some headphones yeah. yeah you've always got some purchases dave um you know um but yeah it, it just it is massive food for thought i guess um yeah. and products like guide is definitely great for people who like to have technology at the heart of it. Um, yeah, and don't great. understand pensions. Yeah, like me. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, right, we will go to our advert break. When we come back, we're going to have a very quick chat, uh, something super topical, Matt Hancock and Babylon. My fa- oh, that's like asking my favourite child. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite podcast? Uh, I think Football Ramble. House of Rugby. Um, Billy Yang's um, podcast. Freakonomics. Um, is science versus, and they're always very quirky. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I listen to that a lot just because the camaraderie and the individuals. Your Cast is a brand new podcast series where we talk to people making podcasts. On this show, you're going to hear some exciting new talents as well as some of the biggest names in the podcasting industry. We're releasing weekly in all the places where you'd normally get your podcasts from. Right, Keish, have you seen about the Babylon leak? Um, I haven't, no, but I did see it pop over on some sort of WhatsApp group uh, earlier on. But yeah, I've I haven't yet, Dave. Enlighten me then. Go on, what's happening? So, so unfortunately, there was a leak of um, medical of patients' medical data Brilliant. Um, through Babylon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this obviously isn't great news for Babylon. Um, Although at the same time, hopefully, um, it doesn't knock people's uh, confidence in the ability of tech to help prov- the provision of services within the NHS. Because the one thing that we've spoken about on this podcast on a number of occasions is the fact that the NHS isn't pre- able to provide all of those services. And you know, we, we've had CIOs and the like come on and 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 very positively talk about how there are wonderful companies. And I think I still think it's it's it would be unfair to say that Babylon aren't one of those companies, but are providing a, a service mm. that wouldn't otherwise be available. And um, online consultations and so on at the minute are absolutely vital, right? Mm. But unfortunately, there was a leak, and yeah. that has to be taken seriously. The amusing aspect of it is that Matt Hancock, who uses um, Babylon, was totally clueless about it. Uh, and was caught live on microphone at COGX at the beginning of this week uh, in an interview, uh, admitting that he knew nothing about it. Um, so on camera, he was caught saying, uh, the Babylon thing is something I should have known, especially since they're my GP. And then he joked, honestly, they know more about my bunion than anyone. At which point his audio was cut off. Um, 
he re- he has since reiterated that, of course, um, uh, although he was unaware, un- oh, sorry, unaware of the data breach, it didn't affect his views on the value of private partnerships within the NHS. What I care about is getting results. When companies will come and help in the middle of the pandemic, the honest truth is there is no way we would have been able to deal with this without the support of tech companies. I actually I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, not a great look for the health minister to not be aware of the um, leak, though, on the day that it happened. No, and I think, what's that, another political figure making some sort of joke in these times, trying to be funny? Um, well, it's difficult to crucify him, too. I mean, it is quite yeah, funny. It is it quite is. funny, but he obviously didn't think he, you know, we all say, you know, he thought he was having a private conversation with someone, probably should have waited until his microphone was taken off him. Yeah, true. And also, I think, well, we've said it before, and I'm definitely of the opinion that I think the NHS should employ some serious partners to hold this sort of information, especially now when we're looking to get out of this lockdown phase and start the the kind of contact tracing and, you know, kind of holding these bits of information. If anything, if people were little things like this, or not little, sorry, shall I say, but, but things like this, where if someone's already hesitant to kind of use these, you know, kind of tools and technology to hold their data, they're not going to want to do it. And you think about the knock-on effect that that's going to have with the whole coronavirus and, and you know, people not being yeah. able to actually trust it and, you know, what's going to happen with my details, blah, blah, blah. And I know we've had this conversation before on here that I don't mind, you know, if my kind yeah. of, you know, if my kind of blood group or, or health kind of background is is on there, um, you know, I'm, I'm not really fussed, but I do not, I do know that there are certain people that would, that would find that very intrusive and that wouldn't want it. So, yeah. My, I, I, I suppose the reason I chose to, to kind of talk about this is that it's very easy with something like this to get quite sensationalized and either crucify Matt Hancock or crucify mm. Babylon and throw your hands up in the, the air and say it's not good enough, right? Mm. Actually, the sensible reaction to this is to say, obviously, it's got to be serious concern. Uh, we all know that the cyber criminals are exploiting this time uh, yeah. and and personal hacks and so on are, are going through the roof. So an organization leaking people's personal details is not a good thing right now. Mm. But at the same point in time, that these services are making it easier for the NHS to deliver at a time when there is huge stress on the system. So, yeah, yeah we, we need to be concerned and we need to make sure that they're protecting our data, but we also need as best as we can to be understanding and to hold them to account, but to, at the same time, um, make make sure that they are given time and confidence to get this right. Yeah, 100%. And, and it's not been the easiest time for the NHS, has it? Let's be honest. And also Matt Hancock as well. I think when he probably got appointed health secretary, he did not think he would get this much airtime. Let's be honest. You know, I mean, we've had health secretaries in the past in previous cam- cabinets and would you be able to name one? I wouldn't, you know. Um, but I think, yeah, he, he's they, they've had a lot of stuff to do. And, yeah, there's other things happening at the moment in the world as well, which, you know, he's had to obviously provide some comments on. But I do think that if they could honestly take a look at the way of working um, and use some specialists or have more security, that would be great. Um, and I think it would give people confidence. Um, from mm. that side well there we go um, that brings us to the end of today's episode that's it for the week Akish have a lovely weekend hopefully the sun will shine 
Thank you very you get, much. I hope so. You yeah. can get your washing sitting in the kitchen out on the line. Yep, four lots of it. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else, have a lovely weekend. Bye.